Good. Hello, hello. I am Nicole Glenn, the co-host of the LLC podcast, and it's an honor to introduce listeners to inspiring women who are making a real difference in logistics and supply chain. With the LLC podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges our guests overcame, how their backgrounds helped shape who they are today, and how they empower others giving back to their communities and often the world. Today's a little different. We are bringing the crew back together for a nice panel, which I know a lot of people love to hear. So if you guys want to go around and just introduce yourself for maybe the first time listeners or watchers of, of this podcast, that'd be awesome. I'll jump in. I'm Charlie Safro. I am the CEO and founder of CS Recruiting. We're a third-party recruiting firm. We recruit nationwide and specialize in supply chain, logistics, and transportation. Hi. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, Blythe. <laughs> Hi, I'm Liz Wayne, founder and president of Able Transport Solutions. We are a 100% non-asset brokerage specializing in flatbed heavy haul freight. I'm going to go next. I'm going to steal this one from you, Christy. Sorry about that. I am the founder of Digital Dispatch, where I help freight companies build a better website. And I also host a podcast called Everything is Logistics. Awesome. I'm Christy Knischel. I am the CEO of Knischel Logistics. We are a non-asset-based third-party logistics provider, and we specialize in intermodal, full truckload, and LTL shipping. And I am one of the co-hosts. I am Nicole Glenn. I am the CEO and founder of a company named Candor Expedite that specializes in expedited ground, air, and white glove services. So before we dive into topic, I kind of want to touch base. We have been getting a lot of new followers um, for LLC. So I just want to throw it out there how this whole thing started with these ladies. We are missing one of our valued members, Sharon Sire, today. But I think it's been two and a half years now, uh, mid-pandemic, that this group of women came together to put something different out um, to the industry on how we can help and lift other people going through some of the situations we have, um, our insights on what we've seen on, on some of our people climbing in their careers and how we've helped guide and, and shape individuals. So we are always looking for concepts and topics on what our audience is looking for. So you see this podcast listed on Apple, Spotify, uh, we're streaming on YouTube, and you can also give us some insight on LinkedIn if there is some great topic that you would like to have the entrepreneurial concept uh, brought, brought to the table. So today we're actually diving in as a panel to talk more about what's going on in logistics. And we touched on this last uh, panel that we had too, but it's this ever-changing environment that we're seeing different sways and patterns to. So I'm just going to kick it off with Liz to throw it out. Like, what the heck is going on, Liz, in, in the flatbed and transportation world that you're seeing right now? Gosh, do we have to? <laughs> um, last time, I know it's been at least about six months since we had this conversation because Last time I came and reported that flatbed was weathering the storm and, you know, staying strong while van and reefer was tanking a bit. So we're there. Uh, you know, flatbed has slowed down as well. It's really hard to gauge. We're going into our busy season here. So um, construction is definitely down. 
Uh, building is down. So we will see how that affects this busy season. I don't anticipate much of an uptick. I think this, uh, the market we're in is sort of going to hold for the rest of the year at least. So that's the flatbed side of the house. I mean, here at Able, we are just kind of, we use downtime to try to prepare for the next good time. So um, a lot of things broke. We very quickly over the last couple of years, you know, went from, you know, around 20 million pre-pandemic to, you know, during the height of things closer to 50. And a lot of processes broke, a lot of things. And so now it's kind of like, putting on the customer hat and lens and revisiting all processes, procedures um, through the customer's perspective is what we're kind of spending the year on. And it's interesting, like relearning about my business has been super interesting. It's evolved a lot. Um, the market, of course, is crazy. So that's what I'm doing. It's a weird time, but uh, we're hanging on and looking forward to you know, when something gives a little bit, being in really good position for it. Charlie, let's hear from you on what's happening in the recruiting world. Yeah, recruiting is always very parallel to the market and what you ladies are seeing. And Liz, thank you. Everything you just said so honestly made me feel better because what we're seeing in the market is just a lot of fear. And we've probably talked about this before, that a lot of companies are just skeptical of the future. There's so much uncertainty. Um, I would actually say that we're in a place where it feels like we're back in 2020, like May 2020, from a, a talent and hiring standpoint. A lot of searches being put on hold, a lot of freezes. Um, some internal promotions, which we love to hear about, but not necessarily filling the backfill, but, you know, handing those responsibilities out to current employees, the, the whole quiet hiring phase. So, you know, when the market is the way it is, we have a constant demand for sales talent. Uh, every single brokerage or carrier out there wants to hire hunters who can produce revenue, you need the shipments, you need the freight. Um, and it seems like the carrier side, the capacity side will, will take care of itself because there is enough capacity in the market right now. When the market flips, and it will, it will be exactly the opposite. We'll have clients running to us looking for carrier reps, people who can develop capacity relationships um, because they'll have those sales generators. And they, you know, I don't think you've ever thought of having too much freight, but more freight than capacity and really putting the focus back on, on the carrier side. In addition to that, we're seeing, I'd say, little peaks of hope um, with companies that are coming to us with very niche executive roles. I would say executive, probably qualifying director and above. And what this tells us is these companies are either preparing for a pivot, preparing for an expansion, perhaps they've realized that the leader they have in that position now is not the strongest leader for the market. And so they're really thinking about who can we bring on to our team to drive us in today's market and drive us forward. Um, but every time we see these executive searches, it's like, okay, someone's not scared. Someone is investing. Someone's taking risks because they see opportunity. Um, but yeah, just to be very honest, I mean, the hiring market is slower than ever now. And it's going to go right in line with, you know, once trucking and, and freight picks up, we'll pick up as well. Question with that, too, because we've talked a lot about hybrid and remote 
what are you seeing any changes or shifts with what companies are expecting now that it's almost the employer's world, right? Are you right. seeing anything? Yeah, I mean, I think the, I read an article yesterday that the new the new term for today's today's world is the great or the big stay. So we had the great resignation, the great reset, the great opportunity, and now it's the big stay. And what that tells me is is really two things. One, companies did learn and they did listen to their employees post pandemic. So they really focused on that recognition and you know having strong leadership, appreciation, respect, um, treating people like humans, and so. Now employees are staying because their companies have adjusted and they've really listened to them and leaned into that. However, it also tells me that people are staying because they're scared of being unemployed. Mm -hmm. So they may not all be happy, but they're staying put because they've got a job, they're getting a paycheck, and there's not a lot of demands out there. So a lot of people are, I don't want to say they're desperate, but they're like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm not even going to clean up my resume because I don't want anyone to find out that I'm even curious because I could get laid off for that. So I think employers, um, to answer your question, Nicole, they, they started to catch on, but now that they're back in the driver's seat, we're starting to see a lot of them tighten up on those location requirements. So they were willing to go remote, willing to offer hybrid just to get the right person in the door. And now that they realize the market's flipped and there's a lot of job seekers, it's like, oh yeah, now we'll hire you, but you got to be here five days a week, nine to five. Um, so we are seeing some companies, I'd say, just take advantage of the market and really dominating what what they want to see from candidates in the market. Another question for you. Sorry, I'm just pelting them at you. Yeah. Um, you talked a lot about hiring sales folks and people are trying to generate that revenue for their business. Are you seeing where there's a lot of turnover when new sales candidates are entering into companies or has that still been pretty good place and, and go? I call it more like an annulment. I've never used that word in recruiting, but that's the easiest way to explain it is that there's a very short leash on sales reps right now. So a lot of companies may take that risk and say, hey, you know, we are going to budget for this person. We are going to commit to the hiring process. The expectations aren't always as they should be. So they may expect someone to come in and, you know, in week one, they're going to have 50 loads on the board. And you ladies know it's not that easy. So we're seeing a very short leash and it's almost like they're breaking up before they commit to marriage. And this is like two, three, four weeks maybe where companies are eliminating candidates or um, letting them go shortly after they hired them because there's just some mismanagement with expectations and what the company thought they were getting versus what the candidate can actually do in that very short period of time. Sure. Sure. Thank you for that. Sure. So Blythe, then what you're seeing on the marketing side of this industry, what what's happening with your zoomed in? It's all AI. I mean, that that's really the, the dominant force in, in the conversation is, is what kind of tools can we use to speed up processes? What do those processes look like? It feels like a new revolutionary tool is, is coming out every other week. And uh, frankly, it's, it's, it's kind of challenging. It's a little overwhelming to keep up to date with everything because it's evolving so fast where, you know, for example, I, I, so with the long form content that I create, I went out to a freelancer and I said, Hey, what would it cost for you to make some social media friendly clips from these videos, actually watch them and pick those clips out. 
they quoted me at $3,000 for a, a month for four videos a month. And I thought, okay, I guess that's a decent price. I just found a tool last week that is going to do that exact thing for free. And so it's like these dramatic things that are happening that impact the bottom line, especially for a lot of, you know, solo operators, you know, one person marketing teams. I, I feel like I, I have to rewrite my marketing processes, you know, every other month now. And, and maybe that's not even quick enough with the rate of how fast these tools are evolving. And it's not just on the marketing side. It's also on, on you know, the, just the freight side in general where, you know, I, I, I won't name names, but a CEO of a major, you know, brokerage firm told me that he's working on some software right now, some AI powered software, and it could replace, you know, 50% of his staff. And he is hesitant to implement it because of the the ripple effects that it would have i mean it's just it's all about ai right now and and what those processes look like and where you can fit it in and some of it's going to be bad i think some of it's going to be really good um but it's, i think it's going to be a lot of hurt in the short term for a lot of gains that are made up in the long term but what you see and i would i would question this for you like some entrepreneurs and some companies don't really have strategic marketing plans mm -hmm. So with that, there's so many tools that can make your head spin. Do you think that they need some sort of captain that can really sit down and try to go through what that return on their investment looks like and really how to navigate this? Because I would assume that, and I shouldn't make an assumption for the industry, but even with what Charlie was saying, looking for more sales reps, do you see any sort of influx where people are going, hey, you know what, forget that sales rep, I'm just going to put us out there on Google and I'm going to do this and that. Are you seeing any influx in that? Yes. Um, so it, the, the way I've heard it described is that instead of hiring six people for, you know, a new sales division, I'm just going to hire two and give them access to ChatGPT and maybe like a tool like ChatSpot, which is HubSpot's new, um, you know, or chat that fits on top of your own CRM data. And so you're able to start, start doing the work of a lot of different people and you can sort of filter that in through one or two people. Um, so we're seeing, I, you know, I've heard from freight brokers who are using ChatGPT to write their sales emails. Um, you know, I've, I've written about some tips on how to do that so it doesn't exactly sound like ChatGPT is writing that for you. Um, but it, it very much is having an effect effect on all of, you know, just marketing and how sales works with marketing. And I could foresee a future where, you know, freight brokerages are, are hiring less sales folks because they have the power of these tools to scout, to source all of your data, to find out, you know, which company is actually, you know, earning revenue in the first quarter or, you know, it, all of these different questions that can search through not only public data, but your own proprietary data. Um, that's to me that the, the personal large language models are going to be uh, it, it already it's here. But I think more and more companies are starting to take advantage of them, especially some of the top tier brokerages that, that I've talked to. They're already using some of these AI powered tools on top of their proprietary data. Very interesting. I think and that's a great point, but I just want to make a quick comment that it almost makes me wonder if we're going to start seeing new positions in these brokerages, maybe positions you know, in the marketing realm or positions we've actually never even heard of that are like that chat GPT trainer or guide, yes. because like what I've realized with AI and I'm a fan of it and I encourage my team to experiment and find out how it can work for them, but it's what you put in is what you get out. Mm -hmm. And so you Blythe, like have the smarts and the savviness and, and maybe the, the capacity to learn 
that editing program to learn the prompts you have to give it to get the right output. But I also think a lot of companies are like, yeah, because of ChatGPT, we don't need, you know, now we can write our own job descriptions, but they're not skilled at it. And so they're, they're relying on this robot to just give them garbage. And uh, yes. that's, that's where I think the future is going is we're going to need more of these AI experts to then work with the sales team or just more marketing budget to, to balance the sales team. 100%. You're going to need to have somebody on staff to take that leadership role. And that's what I've actually told people to do is you should go and start learning these tools, set it as your start screen, set it as a bookmark. So you can just find different ways to use it throughout your workday. Because I think it was um, not, uh, it was Gartner or I think, yeah, I think it was Gartner that came out with a study that said, you know, up to 30% of everyone's role in every sort of white collar, you know, knowledge-based job is going to be either automated or replaced by AI. And so you can kind of, part of that is a little scary, but then the other side of it is you could be that leader in the company to take on that responsibility and be sort of that, that flashlight in the dark for your company. And in order to direct them and, and find the nuance and find out where it gets things wrong and then, you know, fix it up and make sure that it's a hundred, it's ready to get, you know, ChatGPT will help you get that 80%, but it, it takes somebody with that knowledge base to know the nuance and to get it to a hundred percent where you feel like posting that job recommendation or posting that, you know, thing to social media, it really is going to take somebody internal to really lead that ship. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just there are opportunities for people to, to bring all these tools mm -hmm. in and then be the captain of it. Because what I've seen is we were even stepping into the tech side of things to build out our own internal application. Mm -hmm. And we have outside parties that we're working with, but we didn't have an educated tech person on staff. And so you're almost like, we're the blind leading the blind. And I think that's the same thing, even on the marketing tool side or any tool side is if you don't invest in that person or that strategy, you're going to end up using some AI tool for two months. And then, yeah, we use that once, you know, and, it, and you got to really explore and dive in and have someone that can really be the ringleader around anything you right strategically that you're doing. So for sure. Yeah. So Christy, what are you seeing at, uh, on the intermodal world right now? Well, we have a lot going on. So everything that you ladies all touched on, I have a little bit to say about it all. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously on the intermodal side, it's been extremely soft, um, even for the last couple of years, because we were limited by what we could utilize from the rail. So we had to use our relationships with Dre's to get boxes over the past couple of years to ship. And now, of course, there's capacity everywhere. But the shift that we have now is we have our truckload department. So that business that is not competitive on the rail side or their shorter haul lanes are going truck. We are capturing some of that business and actually getting some significant wins on the truckload side um, specifically and also on our LTL side as well. Um, but keeping an eye on the market in the lanes um, where intermodal could beat out truck and vice versa. I think having both of those divisions help keep the company a little bit balanced in times like these. Um, for sure, just because of being able to have those um, different modes in particular. And then the other part, I will say, um, of our business, the agency side too, because we do have an agent network, we are bringing in some more agents to our company as well that's also supplementing the downside of the intermodal. We're down roughly a 1,000 shipments a month right now, mm -hmm. um, and it's been like that for quite some time. So 
the chocolate side's going up a little bit. You got the intermodal side down. So it's kind of just like the fact that we're diverse, I think has been very helpful for us. Um, even though we're being cautious, we're also in a mode of growth. So we are looking to close in on a new building lease here soon, which we wouldn't move until next year, first quarter. Um, I am looking for a director of sales to take sales off of me because I have six people working under me right now. Um, so it's been a little challenging because three of them are green and I want to make sure that they're successful. Um, so it has taken up, I would say, I probably spend at least four hours a day with the team and working with them um, and trying to build that. So the whole idea to bring in the director of sales too is also to, to build out a sales team. So as we're talking about chat GBT and like maybe salespeople going away, we're also using that as well as a tool and it mm -hmm. is working. Um, and you do have to massage it and it has been a little bit, you know, challenging and, and interesting to say the least, but um, you know, I think trying out those tools though is helpful. I think having both and also having someone who can master that. Um, I know you'll like hearing this Blythe, but we did just hire another full-time marketing person. So we have two full-time marketing people and we have an intern Hell as well. Yeah. yeah so we're, <laughs> we're spending the money on these things. And I kind of feel like I get when these things happen, it's scary, but I'm like, we need to push forward mm -hmm. and we need to just keep going with the plan hire the people and I feel like the freight will come, the freight will come. And it just seems like it always seems to work out that way um, for us as far as making sure we have all these different areas covered. Um, but I'm obviously traveling quite a bit now too, visiting with the railroads, some customers, um, carriers, those type of things. And we're still in the middle of implementing software too um, from last year, even into this year um, and still kind of getting used to all of that. But we've probably added I want to say at least 10 people in the last month to our staff and we're continuing to hire right now as well, looking to add to our finance group um, and uh, just the operations team, just being prepared for some of these big truck wins that we just got. So, so yeah, I mean, I would say it's kind of, you know, it's like scary, but exciting at the same time. And I'm just trying to keep myself focused on, um, you know, the growth of the business and what we need to continue to work on, especially with the sales team. Because you're right, Charlie, like going back to hiring, um, everyone's looking for great hunters out there. Mm -hmm. And they're few and far between to find those type of people and trying to at least find people with at least sales skills that we can work with. And I think my company is probably more generous in giving them time because I know what it takes to get through that sales process and it's not going to be three months. It's going to be six months to a year, at least a year, maybe sometimes two years. But if they're going in the right direction, to me, that's what matters. Are you doing all the things you need to be doing, um, you know, to get those opportunities? And if we see those coming in the door, keep working with them. I mean, obviously, at some point you have to, you know, cut that cord if it's not working out. But I just don't think people are going to be successful if you only give them a short period of time in sales because in our industry, it is so different. I have like two very successful salespeople that work for me right now that are green to this industry, but they've worked in sales. And the one is just like, I am like been the super salesperson at every company I work at and this industry is tough. And I said, I know it's tough, but you just got to keep at it. It will come eventually you know, those opportunities will come. We had a salesperson um, that had left a couple years ago that was green during COVID. And once she left, honestly, like all the accounts she was working on started coming to fruition. <laughs> um, and that was like a whole nother, it wasn't because we had parted ways with her, but 
I, I think it is tough for newer people coming in and not seeing that instant gratification of bringing business on and it takes time. And so I have one-on-ones with them every week. I just had them earlier today um, and just trying to do everything I can, you know, to help them be successful, knowing that I've been there and done it and it's not easy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I kind of have the same story as you, Christy. It's like this bittersweet. We're probably going to close this month out with a record. So it's a little different, but that does not mean that the expedited world is just booming, right? We are quoting a ton more. Um, I mean, a ton more of every which way and our quote ratio has significantly gone down. Um, we're talking the onboarding side of things with customers. It's very hard to break through because they are very price conscious on what, what they're doing to make a change and make a switch. Um, it, it feels like we've been just coming together significantly more as a team though. Um, I am completely transparent. We have some people that are in different states. And so I host, we have round tables where our teams are able to come, uh, one day a week or one day a month, I'm sorry, at night and express concerns. Um, we have town halls that we do. Um, I send out videos of updates of the company consistently. So everybody's hearing that same message, just not, you know, the, the group of people that are here and we're really coming together as a group. And it's not just a fake rah-rah that's happening. It's like, we really know that we have the capability as a team to move a mountain if we know where the mountain is and what, what we're trying to accomplish. And so some of our leaders have stepped up and, brought that, you know, we're having fun things where it's like contest and things to make this hard time fun, bringing people in. So we have two, our two, two sales reps here today that flew in from different spots and trying to get them, you know, like here's the team, like trying to really bring everybody together. Um, so that way we all are just marching towards that same goal set. And so we've put our heads down. I'm always delivering the message that this is an uncomfortable time, uh, but this is where you get the most confidence and growth within yourself is overcoming these types of markets and obstacles that we're seeing. And so it's working, uh, but I know it's not working for every company out there. I know it's not working for every new customer that you're bringing aboard. It's hard ass work. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I always say right now is this is the time of grit. This is the time we thought we worked hard during the pandemic. This is the opposite work hard. Now you got to go get it, which takes hustle. So we just celebrate, celebrated our sixth year and our team came up with the mission of this is our hustle year. And so we had these cool shirts made and we're just, again, I know that sounds so like rah, rah, but coming together really changes things. It really makes an impact. And so that investment, we also um, just hired a COO that's going to be starting this next Monday. So it's it's really taking strategy and trying to execute it. And so I always urge leaders to make sure you have a plan, you know, because at first, when I first started this company, it was like, hey, let's do 10% more this year. Yay. You know, like there was no mission, no plan. And that doesn't work. You know, you need to have arrows that you're shooting towards the target. And you got to talk about it all day long, all day long. And people need to know their part in that arrow that the, you're shooting as a company. 
And I think that's really what's changed for my company in the last couple of months. Um, and it's, it's, it's working. Mm -hmm. So got to keep on the track though. I don't want to jinx it. I'm knocking on the wood. Right. <laughs> so at times like this, Nicole, I know I feel glad to be the size shop. I am being small <laughs> because I mean, we saw CH Robinson had to do another 300 layoffs this week or last right. week, whatever it was. Um, when you reach a certain size, it gets much harder to sell through things. Right. And so I, from the first time I met you, Nicole, like I would have bet a million bucks on the spot. She will do anything she can to sell through times like this, you know? And so it's like, but even with that desire and say ability, mm -hmm. your shop has to be of a certain size for that to be possible. Exactly. So it's like, I love growing. I love growth. That's where my mind has been for a lot of these years. But at this point, kind of like, okay, back to the basics, regroup. I'm feeling super grateful um, that we can sell through this because we have a lot of shippers that have never worked with us yet. We have a lot of modes yet to explore. There's so many ways we can do this. Um which I feel very grateful for in during tough times like this, because there's other organizations that don't have that flexibility. And that's got to be um, mentally even like more challenging. Yeah. For sure. I was before we even started hitting record, I was telling the ladies that I'm get, I got to a point where it was like even a burnout was happening in my brain from trying to really kind of guide that ship and sit down and write things down and, and come up with some of these plans. And it's not easy. And I have a team of 27. So to me, that's big. That's the biggest company I've ever ran, I guess, minus having a whole fleet of drivers. But I, I agree with you, Liz. It and is I just mean like your market share, you yeah. know, I don't, I mean, this is as much as I've ever done too. And it's very overwhelming. It's so much, but just we don't have enough market share that we can fight through this. Like there are new people that need our services. So many of them, thousands of them, they're on every corner in the country. And yep. so um, that's encouraging to me. That's exciting to me. That's what I keep telling myself to, to get excited. Well, listen, Liz, I just want to step in for a second too, because obviously you all know where I'm at from a revenue standpoint. And I feel like every 25 million is a challenge. It's a different challenge. And that's kind of where you're at. And it's okay to step back because we've done it too. And I feel like as much as I want to grow as well, I'm not going to grow despite like everything being burned fire behind me either and making sure you have the right people in place. And it's okay that like, maybe you don't grow next year or you kind of stay where you're at mm -hmm. just to get through the times to do it right. Um, Cause I agree with you. Some of these companies, it's like they're racing each other to get, to that point and bring on all that business. Now you had to lay off hundreds of people. Like I don't want to be in that position either and do it the right way. Um, obviously. And you're, you are right. Like these times also bring opportunity. And I think that um, you and Nicole both are at sizes too, where you can weather the storm and get through it. And you're going to be totally fine and come out a lot better because of it and then go get business next year. Um, and sometimes that's just what you need to be healthy moving forward. And um so, yeah, I mean, it's good to hear you both say that. I have a, yeah. a quick comment and a question. I mean, my comment for listeners is you guys have provided some really awesome insight as to how you keep a business running when things slow down. 
and I love hearing, you know, we're, we're fixing things, new processes. Um, Christy, even hiring to set your team up for success when the market flips, because it will flip. My question for all of you is, have, have any of you pivoted or differentiated or diversified as a result of the market? Liz, I know you mentioned before, you know, you're flatbed, but knowing that that you can move dry van or refrigerated. Um, have any of you gone in that direction yet where you have a new product or service line that is in more demand to get you through this slow time? I don't think I did it because of the plan or uh, I'm sorry, of the market, uh-huh. but it's just something that our customers started asking for. So mm-hmm. when I started the company, we just expedited ground those opportunities, kind of like what Christy said, you start hearing different things and when you're talking to your customers. And so we built out a first and final mile that is now, we were only B2B, now we're B2C. Mm-hmm. We're offering air freight solutions. We're doing expedited LTL. So I think it's healthy to continually branch off on the services that you feel confident in and that you can bring in experts Um, that can lift that. But again, having, and I'm going to say it all the time, a strategy around it. um, So that way you aren't just going, hey, I'm going to go, I'm an expedited company and I'm just going to go step in Liz's side and try to handle an over-dimensional flatbed Mm -hmm. shipment that I know nothing about. And Mm -hmm. it's going to go disastrously. I think it's having that strategy and what makes sense for your business, um, what makes sense with the current customers that you have as well because you might as well touch the ones that you've been servicing and they love you um, with, with something that's complementary to your business and to your customers' needs. So I've had three new services in the past year and a half. And it's funny because I have a dashboard right in front of me right now um, that just shows all of, all of our, our moves. And 64% of that is expedite. That used to be 100, right? right. Um, 27% of that is that multimodal piece where it's, air, first and final mile, um, anything that's non-exclusive. And then just 9% of that is truckload. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know, having that and keeping keeping your eyes on the prize on what's the expectation on growing those and what types of customers are you servicing to, to make that make sense for your mm-hmm. business? Because we see that a lot. I'm sure you've seen it, guys, where it's like, a company will just be like, oh, now we're going to do this. And there's so much work behind it right. that you really need to understand what what that is and how to service that right. Because you're risking your customers mm-hmm. if you drop the ball on that. So to that point, I would say Nicole was prepared for this turn in the market with doing the work a year and a half ago. Because, you know, Charlie makes a good point to keep growing through times like this, this is what it takes. But then again, when we think about the market, is it the best time to challenge the incumbent? Like just so my world, very specialized, right? So here in markets like this, when everybody's selling, everybody's calling again, shippers are trying to save money. You'll get these people that sneak in, you know, like, I mean, you're trying to do with other opportunities and that. Um, And they don't know the space, they fail on the shipper and all kinds of bad things happen. So it is important to always be diversifying in that. But to Nicole's point, like it takes a lot to do it right. Mm -hmm. And so when if people are looking at that right now, that doing it right is even more important because everybody's doing everything they can right now. And that changes your ability to break into a new market. 
So I would say two years ago or 18 months ago would have almost been a better time to break into something new. Um, you know, so it's a great way to think about it. I'm really looking at what, what industries and customers need our existing services the most right now, Mm. as far as different, different offerings and modes, I want to plan for the next good market (laughs) because I just think it's challenging enough to, it's basically like creating a new business. You're opening a new business. Um, And that's challenging enough that you want your competition during that time limited. Um, So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. But definitely putting some new perspective and looks into the industries we're servicing. Um, We've been able to identify a few that we know are not purchasing through typical means and that and just different ways that way, Um, because it is important to stay creative at times like this. And with what you both said, too, about, you know, changing direction now. Yeah, I agree. Like a lot of the incumbents, like we have some customers like they're like, hey, you'd save us half a million dollars, but they're not looking to change incumbents right now. So that is going to be a challenge, I think, in every sector um, that we're in. But I will say like early on in the business, when we just did intermodal, same thing as Nicole, like our customers asked us for LTL and full truckload. And then my mindset was, if we don't do this, they're going to go somewhere else and bring everything to that particular um, competitor. So that's how our LTL and truckload um, did did grow. But then eventually when we had issues in 2010, it was like, oh, let's become woman owned because now we could build out that sector and potentially get business when we were struggling oh, back that's then. That's whole thing. That is not <laughs> well, now we are 2023, <laughs> 13 years later, I can say I got 5 million in freight because of it. But it was a very long process, but we finally also got our government off the ground. Um, just this week, finally have tenders in this system. Um, My head of marketing is actually running it, Blythe, (laughs) believe it or not, (laughs) Um, that she was tasked with the government side of things. But like, no, it's just been interesting. And then like even adding on the agency side, Mm. you know, I do think it is like kind of building different different parts of it so that like when you do have times like this, like what do you have to fall back on? Like if we were just intermodal, we would be in trouble. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's 70% of our business now when it used to be a hundred percent. And the other 30% is, you know, LTL and truckload split. Um, and then we have the agency model too, which is like a small piece of that, maybe 15, 20% of the overall picture. But um, I think having other diverse pieces in there, if you can, depending on what you do is definitely important and making sure you have, a plan to build that out, obviously, to get through these times. Because like right now, as we're, I mean, we actually did win some new intermodal business recently, but it was hard to even win new intermodal business, but we're winning on the truck side versus the intermodal, you know, so it definitely has been helpful, but I wouldn't say any of it was born out of the pandemic. But I will say we were fast forwarding our truck brokerage really, really fast trying to get that going just because of that that situation we were in being handicapped um, yeah. by the railroad. So, yeah. And I'd say we're, we're kind of in Nicole's boat. It's so interesting how, how you guys all position your evolution. Uh, we obviously are a recruiting company first and foremost, but same thing. Our clients were asking for data and analytics a couple of years ago. So we launched a consulting service behind the scenes. We've been doing resume writing and job description writing as a service 
we were so busy with recruiting that we didn't really promote it. It was more by request or with existing clients. But I'd say that's, it may seem like, you know, all of a sudden CS recruiting is doing all these other things. We've always been providing them, but now this is kind of our signal to like turn it up a notch with our message, making sure people are aware. And I don't think writing, you know, resumes is going to drive us to the next level, but it will certainly represent as a, a marketing platform that these candidates are in the industry and placeable. And then we write job descriptions that's just going to lead us to a search. So I think we're all kind of thinking about it, you know, in our in our own little world, but that's probably some really good advice is, is just to keep thinking about how you can differentiate and you don't have to go full-blown execution, but be prepared when the market dips like like it is now. And, and what can you you know, what can you pull out of your back pocket that's ready to go? Yeah. It's interesting to hear all of you ladies talk about how each one of you are di are, are diversifying your, your income streams because that was one of the hardest lessons I learned when I, I first started a, a marketing agency. I don't do marketing services anymore, but one of my, my first clients um, was, a, was a big one, publicly traded, and they were 60% of my overall revenue. And I saw that as a big warning sign mm -hmm. that I need to diversify because if they were to ever leave or close, then I'm pretty much out of business. And so- that's been a, a, a period of like every year I, I look at where does my money come from or where, where what clients, um, what kind of products, revenue, things like that, and, and making sure that it's a good balance and not just on the product side of things, but also on like website traffic. I, you know, I want to make sure that it's diversified among different social media platforms and different programs and ad campaigns. So it's, it's interesting to hear you ladies mention the same thing that goes on, you know, for like a lot of marketing and sales reps, too. Yeah, sure. it's a true thing, because honestly, I would say like one of the things we even talk about, like if intermodal is 70% of my business and some one day like it just goes away, there's issues, you're right, like we're going to be struggling. So even as a down to a customer level, we don't even want a customer to be 30% or 25% of our overall business either, because if they move or they leave, whatever the case may be too, that's, we had a year where we had a big client that left, they came back a year later, but it was one of those things where I mean, we didn't lay off people or anything like that, but it was a situation you could have very well had to do that. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something to think about and try to manage and you know think about your customer base and what more can you get involved in that helps those the core customers you have and just add-ons. Yeah, I think that's what I keep preaching to our sales folks too is go diversify. It's great. Everyone wants to chase big whales, right? Right. Um, which is great. Who doesn't want a big whale? Who doesn't want to bring in $5 million from an account? But there's a lot of work that goes into that, keeping it, keeping it, and then okay. constantly building out from that. And so we focused this past year on our top eight. We took our top eight clients and we literally have a baton. We meet as a management team once a month and we go through our top eight on like, who's taking that baton? Who's doing this? Who's mm -hmm. doing that? And then our other folks that are in the day-to-day -day operations, we're, we're really asking them to touch anything below top eight. And we're watching the below top eight increase. Customers that we never thought that even had different sectors of these, these offerings that we had, we're seeing. And so it's important to focus not only on the, on the big shows, right? Uh, but the ones that can really add up and, and lift your revenue and, and profitability of your company. In, in these types of times. And, 
everybody likes the love, right? So keep reaching out and talking to people and you stumble across things you never thought that some of your clients might have. It's crazy. They're all logical extensions of your business, which is what makes sense. It's not like you're going into, you know, now we're opening a bakery, um, <laughs> but it's like our, we have the audience, they're engaged. They know that we're experts at this, but if they trust us with this, then they'll probably trust us with this extension of our current mm -hmm. services. Um, and Blythe, I have to think that you will constantly be pivoting and in demand just with, you know, the uncertainty and the overwhelm, you know, is, is good for you, actually, because you can kind of break through that clutter and help people like steer them to how to use AI versus letting them be frantic on their own. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is new technology every single week. Now there's Auto GPT, which will actually go out and like book reservations for you, make phone calls for you, um, send emails, cancel subscriptions. Uh, it, it's it's so quickly evolving that I don't know that the majority of the population even knows how quick it's yeah. already here and quickly evolving. And the one thing I want to say about the chat, just because we do use it, you do have to massage it. Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact that it would take place of a person because I do feel like you still need that personal interaction no matter what. If it can help in some ways, great, but I don't think I would ever rely on it, you know, fully like how the industry probably would expect maybe 10 years from now or whatever that that time frame might be. But it is interesting, all this technology, and I do feel like there's going to be a lot of tech companies that fall out of this space oh, at some sure. point as well. So maybe once that happens, we'll see a little bit of slowdown on your side, Blaine. <laughs> see what people are actually, because again, they're looking to cut budgets, right? And what are they going to look, what makes sense, what doesn't? And at the end of the day, you can't just plug chat GPT in and go. I mean, I guess you can, but when you do, we saw what it did to our stuff. So, I mean, you have to have people involved is how I feel. It's like, definitely that case, but it's also from the mindset of this is the worst AI is ever going to be is right now today. It's only going to get better. And I, I see it from the lens of like your own personal LMM or, or large language model where it just sits on top of your own proprietary data and, and you can just... You can do so many. I mean, there are, I cannot count how many things that used to take me hours to do, cost me thousands of dollars to do. And now it's practically free or it's just sped it up to where, you know, a, a podcast, for example, um, can be transcribed and show notes can be written in 10 minutes tops where that used to take me at least three hours every single episode. And so now that frees you up to go wow. do the things that, you know, you sell better and sell more and, you know, make more connections and, you know, just be more efficient overall. It, it really has helped a lot. But like you said, you still have to massage it. You still have to have that nuance, that expert eye that can be the final review on it. Right. Yeah, just to jump on that um, AI train for a moment, I saw a concept that Microsoft is coming out with called Copilot. I don't mm -hmm. know if anyone's ever heard of that, but the way I interpreted it, it's, I mean, it's the future, but it's basically, if you're in a Microsoft suite, you can say, you know, take my meeting notes and cross them over to my Excel doc and grab the most, you know, interesting data, drop it in PowerPoint, create four slides with pie charts. And like, you just have to say that. And then it will all of a sudden bring your whole suite together. Again, it's garbage in, garbage out. You have to give it very clear direction, but I don't necessarily think of that. It's going to make someone more efficient. It's going to save time. 
I don't think it necessarily replaces people like go work on the relationship and the strategy and don't spend time, you know, sizing shapes on your PowerPoint presentation, mm-hmm. right. letting I do it for you. Um, but it's, it's really crazy when you think of, you know, how you might just be able to say something and voila, it's, it's there within 30 seconds. Sounds amazing. Well, I think yeah. you're timing in because I want to ask you this question because I have a feeling, <laughs> my assumption, which I'm full of, don't transportation companies suck at marketing? Aren't there so many? That yes. Okay. <laughs> you're going to be busy forever then. You're busy. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that that's the thing is that I, I, I get, especially during a time like this, is that people want these kinds of services. They need sales and they realize they need marketing and things like this. So it's kind of like a weird thing where uh, marketing is the, the, the budget is the first thing to be cut. But then it's also companies realizing that it's something that they need to invest in as well. So I, I think having that really true, like one person that can handle a lot of different things that can sit in on the sales meetings um, that can, you know, craft up a you know a three email campaign for cold outreach um you need to have somebody that's proficient in in these tools and you know with a that's the sort of the glass half full is that with a lot of these newer tools some will fall by the wayside but the the big companies like a hubspot with their chat spot program to help you find leads better and you know ones that fit your buyer persona um microsoft's copilot google's duet like these are going to help you do your job so much better um but it's still garbage in garbage out and if you uh, if you don't know what you're doing if you don't know who you're talking to and why that's sort of the the, the crux of of every marketing issue is that you need to know who you're talking to and you need to know why you're talking to them and then uh, resist the urge to just um, vomit up, you know, seven paragraphs of everything your product or service does and just get to the point. Keep it short and specific. Yep. I like that. Well, ladies, we knew this would happen. We're out of time. <laughs> we could talk about this forever, right? Keep diving into this industry. But I do want to thank all of you guys for, for coming on and doing this panel today. We have another one already pre-slated, so they're going to keep dropping. Uh, but it, like I said to the audience, if you guys have any topics or things that you know, you're know you racking your brain on that you would like to have some insight on, please shoot any one of us a message. Let us know what your thoughts are so that way we can cultivate something to maybe answer your questions. But again, thank you guys, and we'll see you all really soon, right? Yes. yes. Great yes. to see you, ladies. Bye.